Hey, girl, let's get together, okay? The International Black Women Travel Jubilee presents Rally and Rejoice. So this is the premium event for black women travel content creators and digital nomads. And of course, all those who are aspiring. And I'm trying to create something that is easy for you to follow, easy for you to digest, and more accessible for you to actually use and implement in your life. So it'll be Sundays, October 4th, 11th and 18th. It's designed to help you get your mindset together as well as practical tools that you'll need along the way. So I'm really excited to welcome you. Their tickets are currently on sale and I made this affordable y'all because access is really important to me. Community is really important to me. I don't know if if you get those vibes yet. What you can do is just head straight over to ibwtj.ashalbh.com and you'll find more information there on each day and what the speakers will be presenting. I'm really, really excited to share this information with y'all. So you can get more information and copy your early bird tickets at ibwtj.ashalbh.com. With all the noise and, you know, chatter about what you should be doing, with all of that aside, get still, be still, and figure out what really makes you happy and be brave enough. And it's not always easy to go against the grain, but to be uh, brave enough to say, you know, this may may not make a lot of sense to you, but this is how I want to live my life. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Okay, I'm Robin Tillotson. I am born and raised, or was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, and I currently live in Chicago. And the name of my business is This I Do For Me. In the podcast, I should also mention is This I Do For Me, Women Over 50, Black and Fabulous. So you have been all over the world. (laughs) You have taken women all over the world. Y'all have done some of the most wonderful things. Um, Cooking classes, helicopter rides, flamenco shows art classes, jewelry, mahjong, you've gone to the ballet, tequila tours, like (laughs) y'all are are really, really getting it in. Um, So what has it been like holding space for these black women over 50 or is it, or do, is it actually women of color? So we don't want to, interestingly enough, all of the women who have traveled with me are African-American for the exception of one. So we have deemed her an honorary African-American. She goes with us everywhere. Um, So what's beautiful about this group is that many of them want to have, you know, really busy raising children, building careers or doing uh, both. And uh, we have found that along the way, many women in this age group have not carved out the time to really 
do something for themselves. Hence is why I named the business This I Do For Me. Um, so it is a wonderful experience because many of them have never traveled abroad. And so when you see them in a new country, interacting with the locals or learning about the culture, getting introduced to new foods and that kind of thing, just watching their reactions is really, really rewarding for me because it, it, it steeped in what the mission of my business is really all about. And so I have observed that many of the, the sisters who have been traveling with us, once they get back home, they're a new person. Uh, they still are not, you know, they're still diligent to their families and their partners or husbands and their marriages and, and their jobs. It's not that they uh, ha are any less responsible in that area. It's just now they approach all of that with a different mindset. Uh, so there's some centering of themselves in the midst of all of the other things that they have to do. It's a new level of confidence. And a lot of times people think because you're over 50, there's no room for uh, growth or you either have confidence at that stage or not. But like with any age group, any age cohort, you're continually learning as long as you are living. And so that's, that's the most amazing part, I think, about um, working with this group. They have, we have been to on every continent except Antarctica. Uh, and so we're really proud to be representing uh, women over 50, Black and fabulous. You said that you started the work that you're doing because you wanted to change the narrative of what it means to age vibrantly. That, yes. that y'all are not sitting around in rocking chairs, waiting to die or waiting for anything. Um, you say you don't mind getting older. You just want to look and feel good and going after what you want and no longer putting things off. So it seems like leading this group or being a part of this group has fulfilled you just as much as it's fulfilling them. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, it's a great way to put it. Um, I have always been uh, in the field of social services and some helping professions. So I'm not happy unless I am playing a role in someone's growth and someone's playing a role in my own growth. Uh, I find that when you give, it just comes right back to you. So I grow tremendously. Uh, leading a group of, typically our groups are anywhere from eight to 14 people. And, you know, that can be pretty challenging getting people organized over a space of a year. Um, but I grow through that process, helping people uh, understand why they need a visa, uh, you know, or helping someone secure a passport, uh, spending time with people talking about the culture and some of the nuances that we need to be aware of as we enter new countries. So yes, it, I grow tremendously, uh, not just from the standpoint of quote unquote helping and making others more aware of international travel, but just what it requires of me, patience. Uh, I'm typically not a patient person. 
So uh, I'd like to believe I've grown in that area because it, you know, it, it takes patience to work with groups, particularly when you're trying to get everyone um, settled or together to travel uh, abroad. So yeah, they've contributed as much to my growth as I'd like to think I've contributed to theirs. I want to ask you where this travel piece comes from, because it seems like there are many different ways for us to be fulfilled and to not put things off and to go after what you want. That doesn't always include travel. So did travel come to you from your family? Like how were you introduced to the love of travel? So the first time I actually was on a plane, um, my father, I was about six, seven years old and uh, my father had gotten sick and my mother uh, sent my brother and I just to live with my grandmother and aunt in Los Angeles so that she could focus on uh, dealing with my dad's illness. So I remember um, that during that time, that would have been in somewhere around 65, 1965 or so, we flew first class. We got all this attention from the uh, flight attendants and from the, uh, the pilots. Uh, we had the best meal they had to offer. And so that was actually my first time uh, traveling was more uh, domestically. And so we would go, uh, we lived there for two years. And then periodically after that, when we came back to Chicago, we would go visit Los Angeles as well. My internet, we had not done any international travel before, and that is mainly because we just couldn't afford it. So my parents were working class uh, people. Uh, they had jobs. And then after my father uh, died, so that, you know, there was another limitation in our income. So travel, let alone international travel, was not uh, on the radar. I got exposed to travel simply this way. I, I think at age 13, I was entering high school and beginning to think about what it was I wanted to do as a profession. Um, I've always been a planner and I've always been a dreamer. I've always just thought about and where would I like to go? What kinds of experiences would I like to have? I've never been a materialist. I've, I've always liked to have nice things, but I never pursued anything for the, for the purpose of materialism or hedonism even. So at age 13, I remember thinking, okay, now in four years, you're going to be graduating from high school. And what do you want to do now in my neighborhood, Wanda, I never I don't recall seeing anyone or interacting with anyone who had gone to college or, um, you know, you had a couple of teachers in the in the community. So my only exposure to educated people or black people particularly were, you know, my teachers and maybe through the church. And so I decided and then I had some cousins who had gone to college and who were currently enrolled in college. And so that kind of gave me the mindset or understanding that it could really be done. Uh, that whole, that old adage that if you see it, you can, you can believe it and achieve it and imagine it. So I, I think they were the impetus for me really 
recognizing that I could go to college. So then I started thinking about, I can really still see myself doing this once. I was in my bedroom uh, laying across with some paper, just kind of thinking about what it was I wanted to do. And I remember saying, well, I want to study in another country. And for me at that time, it was Spain, uh, only because I thought, well, I'm starting to take Spanish at high, in high school. And um, that was when I started dreaming about uh, studying abroad. Now, when I got in college, Spain was nowhere in there. I ended up spending a year in London. And I think even though I had four years of Spanish, I wasn't confident enough in my, in my grasp of the language. I knew I understood English. So I said, I'm going to London. I was an English major, so it all made sense. So um, that's where it started, was just dreaming, what could I do? Where could I go? What kinds of experiences I really wanted to have? And were you encouraged? Um, I don't recall anybody saying you you should travel and see the world. I, I really don't. I just, and in all honesty, I really remember thinking about and reading about and seeing on television, even uh, hearing about white kids traveling abroad. And I've always had this notion in my head that whatever white folks could do, I could do. So um, outside of that, Wanda, nobody really encouraged me to travel. Now, I do a lot of encouraging of that now uh, for others, uh, whether they're older women or younger women. Um, but no, I don't recall anyone saying you should see the world. I mean, even that is pretty radical. You said anything that a white person could do, you could do. And I have always felt that I, I just, I've always felt, you know, from a spiritual standpoint that this universe was as much mine as anybody else. I didn't understand, um, you know, why, limitations were out there. I, I couldn't understand why people had to, white folks had to believe, some white folks, I should say, had the beliefs about uh, black folks that they did. I just, it didn't, wasn't anything that really had me baffled. I mean, I thought about it, but it didn't have me baffled to the point where it stopped me from dreaming. So I knew I wanted to go to college. I knew the the, the caliber of the college I wanted to go to. I knew what kinds of experiences I wanted to have on campus. I knew I wanted to travel abroad. Um, I knew I wanted to really hone in on my, learn certain skills so that, you know, wherever, whatever circle I found myself in, my attitude was I didn't ever want to be in a circle of white folks and felt uh, uncomfortable. That was just the attitude I had. And nobody taught me that. Uh, it was just, I guess it was just inherent in me. I was raised by my parents to know that I could do, you know, do anything I wanted to do, but nobody really outlined for me what that looked like. So I had to really rely on my imagination. Uh, reading a lot, I was always a reader. Uh, and um, talking to people and watching people. What were people doing? What were white folks doing? Um, 
And were they engaged in any experiences that I, I thought that I was deserving of or should be exposed to as well? But that's so powerful. <laughs> I mean, you say it like it's normal and regular. Like even today, you have people who, Black women who have a very hard time believing in themselves, have a very hard time reaching for things fully, like really, really reaching for it and saying, you know what, I deserve this or I want to try this and see and I'm going to go for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would say even now and I this comes up with women in our in my groups now, you know, you know, we at this age, you've seen enough racism, you've ex- been exposed to it, you've been even exposed to people in your own communities telling you or trying to limit you in terms of what it is you can do and experience. So we have those concepts. Uh, many of us have those concepts embedded in our consciousness, uh, but there are ways to work out of that consciousness and, and, and you have to work at it. And what that usually looks like is developing some kind of spiritual practice. So meditation and um, really getting to know yourself and uh what do you call that? You know, reading a lot of stuff, a lot of personal development books, uh, anything that's going to help you understand who you are in a better way and build that confidence. So it's not like it can't be done. You just have to work at it and you have to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to take little steps. I'm not going to try to eat the whole pie at one sitting, it's like, okay, now I want to go to Vietnam, but you know, I'm kind of scared to go that far. So maybe what you do is you start out going to, you know, a Vietnamese restaurant and getting introduced to the culture. I mean, it, but you have to be proactive so that you can see your own growth, which then gives you more confidence to take the next step. But nobody gave you that. It sounds like you had some encouragement from your parents, but largely like it seems like you just made up your own mind and then you pursued your life accordingly. Yeah. I, I you know, I just think that was always there with me. Um, I figured if I'm going to be here, I might as well have the best possible experience I could have. And um, I've always loved life, you know, uh, as you know, we didn't have much, but, you know, it was an excursion to take a wagon and then go to the library and fill that wagon up with books for the summer. Uh, so we worked with what we had. Um, if, you know, I read a lot of Black history, so a lot of those those role models were traveling mainly through their work, you know, but just the idea of someone traveling, let's say from Memphis to go to London uh, to speak on behalf of civil rights or something was just something that kind of, I guess, subconsciously let me know that those things, getting on a plane period to have some kind of different experience was possible. What are your thoughts about, yeah, I want to ask you that. <laughs> what are <laughs> what are your thoughts about the Black Lives Movement? What are your thoughts about 
what we've seen happen this year, since you have a much bigger perspective? Um, you know, Wanda, it's, you know, it was bound to get to this point. Um, you know, we've always had movements. Um, I think the Black Lives Matters movement says a whole lot as it relates to our lives and, and reinforcing within ourselves that our lives matter. Uh, and then not about convincing others that they matter, but just being you know, mindful that, yeah, you know, Black Lives Matter, and here's why. I mean, let's not even forget that we've built this country. Uh, and so I think it's a movement whose time has come. I just hope that we don't um, settle for some crumbs and that this is a progressive movement that's going to last for a very long time. Uh, we're talking about changing mindsets, and that's not easy. Uh, we're talking about change. We're talking about people giving up power, and that's not going to be easy. Um, so I feel empowered and encouraged, embraced, and just so proud of the people, the young folks who are spearheading, spearheading this whole movement. Uh, I, you know, I, I have some hope in that area. Uh, that's pretty much where I am on that. It, just a powerful movement whose time has come. And you know, they say there's nothing new under the sun. So like you said, there, there have been movements. Do you think that, like, are you optimistic? Do you think that there's been some forward movement? I, I do. I, I think it, it's hard to believe, you know, as I talk with white colleagues, as you listen to interviews of people who say they now get it or never really understood what, you know, what the issues were for us before. Um, I think seeing George Floyd literally murdered in front of everyone's eyes. I mean, if you have any human consciousness in any heart, you could not feel something around that. And I think I feel hopeful because people are starting to open their eyes. There are gonna always be evil people in the world. Uh, there are forces out here that are, you know, are really, hell-bent on making sure things don't change. But I think when I look at and listen to those whose eyes have been opened, uh, particularly even younger white kids, people, you know, they're not, put, they're not willing to put up with that stuff anymore. Um, so, I, yeah, I do. I feel very hopeful. I don't know to what degree I'll see it in my lifetime, you know, in terms of what level it will come to fruition. Uh, but I feel real encouraged. I see change because it, it requires change on an internal level, on a mental level, in your consciousness. And I see that happening. It's going to be real interesting to see when it gets down to changing the power structures or institutionalized racism. That's going to be real interesting to see how that pans out. 
because human nature doesn't want to give up what it what it has. So I'm going to be watching that real closely. So I wanted to talk a little bit. You've been working for, is it over 17 years now um, at the Department of Family and Support Services? It was 18 years on August 1st. Okay, 18 years. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. I've never worked anywhere that I don't long. Think I've been too busy. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. I'm like, I've been here 18 years. <laughs> I don't think anybody has worked anywhere any any amount of time like that before. <laughs> you know, we yeah. live in an age of, you know, you change every three or four years or something like that. Or you're made to change, as it were. <laughs> yeah, well, interestingly enough, Wanda, mm-hmm. when in my younger work career, I, I was job hopping all the time. I wouldn't stay. I mean, I think the longest I would stay at any job might have been three years because I was so focused on, okay, I I think I've gotten what I needed to get here, whether it was a skill or a project or contacts or mentorships or whatever. So I was job hopping um, a lot in my early career. uh, And I went back to school at age 41 to get a master's in social work. So prior to going back to school, and that would have been in the year 2000, um, I had, you know, to keep me on a job, it was like, okay, it's time to go. And then I decided I wanted to work in the field of um, aging services. Uh, I went back to social work schools to specialize in that with the concentration in intergenerational work. And so I have found from 2002, when I started this position, running a senior center and being over a region of senior services in Chicago, uh, which happens to be the Southeast side, uh, working with black folks again, um, I have just found from 2002 to, nine, to now, I have really enjoyed what I've been doing, uh, particularly around intergenerational work. So, and then getting older, you know, I decided, okay, now I want to, you know, you don't find people or businesses or organizations that provide a pension anymore. So I knew I would, once I'd leave, which is probably going to be in a couple of years, um, I would walk away with a pension, which frees me up to do more of the things I like to do, i.e. travel some more. So um, the whole, I want to hurry up and get to that two years so I can quote unquote retire. And I hate the word retire. I like the word refire because it's a time to, to you know, start all start something all over again, so that I can have the time uh, to do uh, more creative work and more creative projects. That's real. You know, there's a lot of folks racing for retirement, but they find that, and not necessarily like uh, at a specific age, but they're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to retire. I want to retire early, or, or what have you, and they find themselves lonely or just like don't know what to do with themselves. They haven't made a, a real plan for how they're gonna spend their time. And, and it's funny you should say that, Wanda, because more than money, I mean, you're gonna need money to you know to survive and to enjoy life, but more than that, because I know a lot of people who 
have retired with big pensions and a whole lot of money saved up, but they don't know what to do with themselves. So more than money, you need to have a vision. We're back to that again. Have a dream of how you want to spend those years. And like, you know, as part of our my business's motto is we're not sitting in rocking chairs waiting for nothing to happen. You want to retire so you can free yourself up. Uh, and if you can retire early, I tell anybody coming up through the system now, you know, set, you know, set yourself up so that you, if you really want to come out at 50, if you want to come, you know, you should be able to do it. Um, or if you, you know, there are people retiring, so to speak, in their 40s because they found a way to um, make money and enjoy their lives. So you were talking about being an avid reader, um, looking through your Instagram feed, like I can see some Maya Angelou, some Nikki Giovanni. Um, are those some of your favorite Black women? Yeah, well, you know, for me, you know, given the time that I grew up, I was born in 59. And so coming up through the 60s and I graduated high school in 77. So all through the late 60s and through the 70s, we were inundated with Nikki Giovanni. I just love me some Nikki Giovanni. Um, and so at that back in those days, Nikki Giovanni had actually put her poetry to gospel music. And if I remember correctly, it was like with James Cleveland. So I would just, I played those albums till they were warped. So imagine as powerful as her poetry is, imagine hearing it to inspirational or gospel music. And so Nikki Giovanni was like my, you know, my muse. I mean, that was the person that kind of gave me, helped me develop a worldview. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite poems, if not my favorite poem, is her uh, Ego Tripping. It is one of the best, well-crafted, but more importantly, you're talking about a poem that really conveys um, our history, our culture, Black women, the power of Black women. It's just a phenomenal poem. Um, so yeah, Nikki Giovanni would be the person that really was, was the person I really read the most of, followed, um, and Maya Angelou came more as, you know, in, in my college days and she and Alice Walker and those folks, uh, I got more into them during and after college and we can't forget Toni Morrison. Uh, I have two favorite books in the world, and one is The Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, and the second one is The Song of Solomon uh, by Toni Morrison. And so um, those were the writers, but Nikki Giovanni was the, she was the bomb for me. She was the one that really just, just set my soul on fire. Speaking of which, um, do you have a song lyric or a poem that speaks to you these days? Like, would it be that Nikki poem? It's going to always be ego tripping. Um, and I encourage everybody to read that poem because it is a bad poem. I'm telling you, <laughs> girl, I mean, you just like, dang, that was inside of her. 
when she talks about the Nile River and the the uh, metaphors she uses and all of that, that is a bad point. Is there a specific line or it's just like you said, the whole thing is just well-crafted? Uh, I was, I'll start it out. I was born in the Congo. I walked to the Fertile Crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that only glows every 100 years falls into the center giving divine perfect light. I am bad. I sat on the throne drinking nectar with a lot. I got hot and sent an ice age to Europe to cool my thirst. My oldest daughter is Nefertiti. The tears from my birth pains created the Nile. I am a beautiful woman. I gazed on the forest and burned out the Sahara Desert with a packet of goat's meat. Can you imagine you gazing on something and you burned out the Sahara Desert? That just is something, uh, Wanda. I just, um, this is a poem that I encourage everyone uh, to read. I am so hip, even my errors are correct. That is my favorite line in the whole poem. I'm so hip, even my errors are correct. Come on. That's a bad poem. And it even just, what it speaks to is just the badness, the super badness of black people. Um, you know, just, you know, we, it, that poem is deep. I mean, I don't care how many years go, that goes by, I, that part, that point still hits home for me. I love that so much. That, that really speaks to timeless art and how you can carry it through the years with you, how it can affect you and touch you still. So with so much time passing, I just love that so much. Oh, I'm so glad because I, I tell everybody I know about this point. <laughs> Thank you for sharing it with us. I appreciate that. But yeah, that's a that's a question I always like to ask my guests if there's a song lyric or a poem. Um, but you're the first like mm. poetry reading we've had. <laughs> okay. All right. That's I think that's my, I, deep down inside, that's, I wanted to be Nikki Giovanni. That's how much I admired her then and still do. It seems like, I don't know that lady at all, but it seems like she's mellowed out. You know, you you see the interviews that she used to do and she was really on the scene and really questioning a lot. And I saw like an interview she recently did. Um, uh-huh. There's a, what is it? The Girls Trek you know, encouraging Black women to walk yes, for health. And, you know, it's a whole movement and what have you. And so they had her on live with Angela Davis. And so, Oh, get out of here. Yeah, there were two women and each of the ladies, Morgan, and I can't remember the other lady's name, Vanessa. Morgan and Vanessa, the Girls Trek ladies, were interviewing Nikki and Angela. And Nikki just kind of seemed like, you know... <laughs> She just, it's, it's like she did her work, you know, like, yeah, like she did it's, what she came here to do. And she was just kind of like making jokes and stuff like that. She wasn't like too serious or too heavy or. I agree. And I, I, I have heard her speak as recent, I think, as maybe three or four years ago. And yeah, she's a lot more mellow, but she says what she needs to say. She's direct still and it's still right on target. Um, uh, so yeah, but I just think, and that's one of the beauties I think of getting older, uh, 
you you just you start to relax a little bit more and i think it's what you just said you you start to realize the work that you have done and contributed uh, and so your style of delivery changes i think a lot as you get older it seemed like Morrison kind of kept up the same pace, though. She's always been like more gentle with it. Yeah, but ooh. I mean, she she started a little bit, quote unquote, later, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're right. I don't think her style really. She's pretty much the same throughout. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I wanted to ask you, Robin, could you please share your self care practices with us? Oh yeah. Um, well, one thing that I don't ever start my day without meditation. Um, one of the um, people that I have read and studied diligently uh, for probably, I would say since the late 80s would be uh, a mystic by the name of Joel Goldsmith. And so I have been studying his work along with many others, but intensely Joe Goldsmith. So I start my day off with something from one of his writings and meditation. So I don't leave my house without meditating. And for me, um, you know, when I first started quote unquote meditating, there was that pressure of, you know, you have these images of what meditation is really all about. Um, and I found myself being really under pressure about meditating. I said, well, that's kind of counterproductive. And so I really just started studying his writings and really spending a lot of time with contemplative meditation. So, you know, where you're thinking and pondering and uh, opening yourself up to the principles of whatever it is you're studying. Um, so meditation would be one. Um, I am, you know, before this pandemic, you are going to find me in a theater seeing some kind of production, whether it's uh, a play, ballet or something. I'm, you know, I start to get nervous if I don't get any arts, some exposure to art. So in the pandemic, it's just that now I can read about it more or I'm watching videos about things. But really making sure I keep myself in the midst of the arts is a, is a big practice for me. So that's another form of self-care. Uh, spending time with friends and family, particularly girlfriends. I happen to be blessed with some really, really good friendships. Um, and so spending time with them, whether it's over a drink or, or a phone call or what have you, that's a big part of my self-care um, and write down the things like facials and pedicures and, you know, so I'm looking at self-care as, and have always looked at self-care from the standpoint of the physical, the mental, and um, the spiritual, mental, and physical. So, uh, you know, you feed your mind, you feed your soul, you feed your body, and you take care of your, your body, which is your temple. And uh, so it's a combination of um, physical stuff and things that involve people and most definitely anything involving the arts. One of our previous guests, uh, Trifina 
she was in the production of the Lion King uh-huh. uh, as Sarabi. And she said, it's, it's been really tough. <laughs> She's been in the show like really? over 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So like the arts are for sure feeling it, not being able to perform and then also losing that income. Yeah, it's it's something. This pandemic has really uh, turned our worlds upside down. It's it's forcing us to look in the direction of get you know fulfillment in other ways. But um, it's been a it's a, it's a growth period and it's a rough period. And then you know the, the fact that people are not working. I mean, the arts are to me the thing that makes life worth living. Uh, if you ain't got no music going on or a way to uh, self-expression or to watch others self-express, it, it dampens things. It changes the way, um, if you're not careful, it could just change how you see the world completely. So um, I have to agree that that's a big loss. How have you been feeling that need then otherwise? So I have been, <laughs> I've seen probably a million documentaries on Netflix. So I have watched some really good ones. Um, I have watched some, you know, I haven't watched as many. I love movies. I'm a big movie fan. But believe it or not, I've spent more time watching more uh, documentaries. And I have been experimenting with, I made a vow to try a new recipe once a week and that usually is on a Sunday morning I'll get up and try something different uh, it might be a recipe I come across in a magazine or something that um, someone else you know uh, did and I want to try it myself so cooking and um, experimenting with new recipes uh, Netflix particularly documentaries a lot of phone conversations with folks. Um, and I'm still working. I haven't stopped working. So I actually physically go to a nine to five. So that's taken up, you know, that's, that hasn't changed for me. But uh, some of the things that I would normally do, like going to a play, doesn't uh, happen right now. So I have to find other ways. And luckily, a lot of the artists have been doing things that they have been posting on Facebook and other platforms. So Alvin Ailey, um, uh, the American Dance Theater, uh, posts at least once a week one of their works. And they're usually anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. So you can still get your feel up for a lot of those things. Um, so it's just a, a much more, and a lot of reading, Wanda, a whole lot of reading. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Now, usually like an appreciation from the arts comes from being an artist in some way. Like, do you identify as an artist? Uh, you know, that's, that, that, I love that. Um, because I, my belief is that everybody is an artist. So whether it's in the arts themselves, dance, writing, that kind of thing. But I, I, you know, being an artist, being a parent, being, mothering a child is an art form. Um, you know, uh, so for me, 
I think it, it, it translates into organizing these trips uh, for uh, women, African-American women age 50 plus. I think it manifests that way for me. I think it really manifests in my work in terms of working with elders and creating, in addition to creating intergenerational um, uh, programs and opportunities and platforms for those cohorts to intermingle. Uh, sometimes it manifests itself in flower arranging for me uh, or redecorating a room. Uh, but I think anything that's of value is, is an art form. It's not just the arts. Um, if I had to do over again, I was thinking about this recently. I remember when I was trying to decide what college I wanted to go to, I one of the schools was Emerson uh, College in Boston, which is a school for the performing arts. And my thing was, girl, you know, when we were coming up, you better get you a job or a skill or something. So that was something that I just kind of buried. And um, so, but it's interesting if I had to do over again, I would enter the arts in some form. And I think it would have been um, probably acting. Oh, kind. <laughs> We're looking forward to your new YouTube series. <laughs> yeah, something. Oh my God, something. You never know. Get your monologues popping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And your soliloquies. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Hey, girl, let's get together, okay? The International Black Women Travel Jubilee presents Rally and Rejoice. So this is the premium event for Black women travel content creators and digital nomads, and of course, all those who are aspiring. And I'm trying to create something that is easy for you to follow, easy for you to digest, and more accessible for you to actually use and implement in your life. So it'll be Sundays, October 4th, 11th and 18th. It's designed to help you get your mindset together as well as practical tools that you'll need along the way. So I'm really excited to welcome you. Their tickets are currently on sale and I made this affordable y'all because access is really important to me. Community is really important to me. I don't know if, if you get those vibes yet. What you can do is just head straight over to ibwtj.ashalbh.com and you'll find more information there on each day and what the speakers will be presenting. I'm really, really excited to share this information with y'all. So you can get more information and cop your early bird tickets at ibwtj.ashalbh.com. You just seem like you're just so full of energy. Like you just like to not necessarily be busy, but you like to be active doing the things you enjoy doing, not just for oh, yeah. like doing something. Yeah. And I think Wanda, as you, as I have gotten older, that's become even more pronounced. I don't really want to do too much of anything that I don't want to do. If it's something I don't, I mean, I just, you know, <laughs> doing something out of obligation I mean, it's enough for me at this point to get up and go to work every day. And that's <laughs> like, okay, we're going to do this one more day. And ultimately, when I refire, I'll be leaving that obligation and um, um, moving on. I just, I like the idea of having 
time to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And, uh, you know, I find myself when, where I can, aside from going to my nine to five, where I can, if I can, if it's something I don't want to do, why not? I don't do it. Or it might be something I plan, you know, it sounded like a good idea three weeks ago. And then today is the day to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you, know? you are all of us. But it was a good idea. <laughs> that is highly relatable. Making plans like is not, no, it's just like, let's talk maybe an hour before we supposed to leave or something like that. <laughs> if I know exactly far in advance, like it's just going, oh Lord, I don't feel like it. It becomes like a to-do kind of thing. Ugh. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh Lord, uh, you know. And some days I just want to look at, you know, sit in a room and just daydream and, uh, and not do anything. I mean, literally, I'm looking out a window now as I speak to you, and there's a huge tree that's so lush, and I'm just, I could just sit here all day just looking at these leaves on this tree. I hear that. Um, I'm a rain and candle kind of girl, rain, candle, and incense. And I'm just very content mm. with that. Yeah, it's just heaven. Yeah. Tell tell us something surprising, maybe, or something you just didn't anticipate learning about yourself or about people as you've been organizing these trips. Um, I tell you, um, it's so funny. Human nature is funny, and as fun as traveling has been for the women in the group. And, you know, we keep them pretty busy in terms of uh, activities on these trips because we want it to be uh, worthwhile. We want you to get the most out of the trip. We, we're, we take seriously how we spend your money. And so we will often jam pack a lot into any given day. And I, I think I had a surprise once we had we were in Thailand this past uh, October. Uh, we had actually done Thailand, Vietnam, and Taiwan, and um, we had gone to uh, we had done some touring in Bangkok that morning. Then we uh, went and had a really really nice meal, and uh, when we got back to the hotel, we said, "Okay, we'll." meet you down here in 45 minutes because we were going to a cooking class and we heard all this moaning and groaning and then I said do you all want to pass on that well no do you want to pass I'm like no you all are the ones moaning and groaning and they said well Robin that's what people do so they went upstairs got freshened up they were back downstairs ready to go and so the surprising thing was for me that, you know, Robin, just because you, you plan all this stuff doesn't mean that you're going to get an overwhelming response all the time. It wasn't that they disliked it or they weren't having a good time. They were just tired at that particular moment. But I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. We got places to go. We got people to see. And so I learned that, you know, that's okay. And, uh, and if someone chose not to go to the cooking class that night, which was not the case, that would be okay too. So remembering 
that, you know, it's not all about my own vision sometimes. You know, it's like remembering that there's, you know, there's space for people to be people. And, uh, and that was more of a surprise, not so much about others, but more about something I needed to learn. I like that. I like that a lot because as creators, a lot of times, you know, we put so much effort into stuff and humans are going to human. <laughs> yeah. And why in a couple of, I'm like, you, you can go to bed when you get back to Chicago or where, you know, New York or wherever, because the ladies are from everywhere. And I'm just like, let's take it all in, you know? And yeah, it's just like, we're human. And, and that's okay. So that was a good reminder for me. And, and also to build in a little bit more leisure time too. So some, some common sense stuff came out of that for me too. May I ask like what has helped you to face your challenges? Everybody has them, right? Mm-hmm. What has helped you? Um, Two things. I think one is deep down inside, you know, as much as you don't want to sometimes go through some of these challenges, you know, you're going to grow from them uh, and you're going to learn something about you and others and, you know, what you're made of, you know, some things you think you can't handle or you hope you never have to face because you don't think you can handle uh, but yeah, that growth piece that comes out of it. Um, and then the other piece I think Wanda is that this too shall pass and I, you know, and then you're going to be on to another thing. And that thing that was kind of, you know, unless it was really something hugely devastating, you're going to get past that. It's all, most times it's going to be, oh yeah, I forgot about that period or what happened at that time, it's, this too shall pass. And, um, and I think also it's important to really, you know, you hear this term, you live and you learn, but you better be living while you learn it. So it's not like, I know, I, I, I watch people suffer through experiences and they say, well, when this is over, then I'm gonna really start doing X, Y, and Z. But if you can find a way to still do some of those things, whatever they might be, in the midst of a trial or tribulation, you know, it brings some, you know, a little solace, some peace, and uh, helps you get through that, that particular challenge. That's excellent. I love that very much. Or, or this I, I think a lot of times, too, people focus on, like, what they're missing, what they don't know. Oh, I have to heal or, oh, I have, you know, these courses to learn because yeah. I don't how to don't know how to do this very well or what have you. Mm-hmm. And they forget about the present yeah. moment, which is all we have ever. It's nice to plan, yeah. right? Yeah, that's a great point. I, you know, people waiting to live. I've seen people work a job for 25, 30 years. And they, they said, well, I'm going to travel when I retire. And then six months later, after they retire, they're no longer here. Or they get sick or something. It's like live in the present moment. You can work and take a vacation. You can work and travel the world. You don't have to be uh, a person that either has no job or 
retired to do a lot of these things, you know, um, find ways to, I, I see people that don't, that take them forever to retire because they don't really know, they're fearful. They don't know what to do with their time. Work has been the center of their lives. So now they're at a point where, you know, they keep working, they hate the job, they're tired of the job, and they should be because they've been there 30 some years, but they don't want to let it go. So yeah, just finding a way to enjoy the things without waiting. And while you've been creating these tours for women and I didn't, I never really asked you about your segue. So you're, you're working at the Department of Family and Support Services. And I know you just started the podcast last July, 2019. So it's been a, a year. Uh-huh. Um, but these trips, how long have you been organizing them? So uh, I've been at it since 2015. And the very first trip we took was uh, eight plus myself and a, uh, uh, a friend in, in Australia. We, that's where we went. And so um, the very first trip out the gate was down under. And um, so I've been doing trips. Uh, and the way it works is um, January 1st is when I announce the trip. And it's never for the current years, for the following year. So, for example, this past January, I announced the trip to two trips. Actually, this was the first year I announced two trips. One to Ghana for July of 2021, and then back to some different places in Southeast Asia uh, in October of 2021. So it was going to be, we canceled the Southeast Asia trip. Um, because at that time, you know, back in the early part of this year, the pandemic, the focus of the pandemic was really centered around Asia. Not so much Southeast Asia, because as it turned out, I think in Saigon alone, they only had 300 cases. Uh, but because it had, we were going to have to fly into China, we kind of cut back on, we just kind of postponed that trip. So that's what we were going to, I announced a trip at the beginning of every year for the following year. So, uh, and then in the opposite year is another trip. So we would have been going this year in September to Italy. And so we ended up having to cancel that trip. So the only trip right now that's on the books um, for 2021 would be well, uh, Ghana is still on, and we're praying because that I'm dying to go to Ghana. It, um, that that would be scheduled for July of 2021, and then Italy in October of 2021. So that would be the rescheduled trip from this year. So I've been doing these trips since 2015. And then um, when we're not traveling, for those who live here in Chicago with, in the same city with me, we go to plays, we do uh, diner rounds and get exposed to uh, different restaurants and that kind of thing. We've done indoor skydiving, uh, we've done poetry readings, we've, we've participated in spoken word sessions, 
uh, a lot of our classes. Uh, so we're doing something even when we're not traveling. And what was it like for you to have your job and then to start planning these trips? Were women asking you for them? Or did you say, I want other women to have these experiences? So I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. <laughs> and the secret is this. You going where I want to go. And because wherever I'm going, more than likely you haven't been there. So when I said Australia, I had already been once. I had done a scouting trip once uh, for about seven days. And then I said, this is going to be my first trip. And I happened to meet a wonderful person in Sydney who helped me to really set that first trip out. So I always start, I do listen to what people, you know, people will say, well, what about this country or what about that country? Well, if it's a country I've been to and if I've been there several times, it's more than likely one that's not going to be that city. Um, uh, but I have found that whatever trip we offer, uh, I don't have any problems getting people to go because they've not been there. So um, Italy would be, I'd been to Southern Italy, but never Northern Italy. So I said, and you know, let's do a trip to Italy. And I had so many people sign up for that trip that I had to turn it down. And we would have had, if we had gone this upcoming September, I would have had close to 40 people on that trip. And that would have been the largest group I would have ever had. Uh, but we had to cancel it for obvious reasons. Uh, but that's basically how I decided really where does Robin want to go? Because more than likely you're going to want to go wherever I'm going. So <laughs> that's how I get that done. I heard that. <laughs> now, when you're traveling, just like for yourself, is there any specific kind of way you like to travel? Like uh, any specific way you like to explore? Um, so if I'm traveling solo, uh, I will usually uh, carve out before I leave where I want to do, what I want to do, where I want to go. I also try to identify somebody that I might know or identify someone I know that knows someone where I'm going just so that I can get um, the lay of the land beside the touristy kind of stuff. I want to see, uh, you know, where the real people go to have a drink or, you know, hang out. So I will try to do that, you know, connect with someone. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, um, I'm not really, you know, some people deem themselves, I'm a luxury travel. Now our theme is luxury for less. So our people stay in the best hotels, you know, sometimes We've lucked up on uh, five-star hotels. That doesn't happen a lot, but nothing's ever been less than a four-star hotel. So, you know, some businesses say we are about luxury travel. We're about luxury for less and getting the best bang for your money. Uh, but, you know, if I'm traveling by myself, I could do a hostel easily if it's going to save me some money and allow me to spend money, a larger amount of money somewhere else. So like I might want to really go, I'm never going to skimp on expensive restaurants. I want to have the best meals possible. So sometimes that means 
uh, you know, cutting corners in other areas. Um, so that's, you know, so that's how I'll do it if I'm traveling solo. If I'm traveling with a friend, sometimes we might even use a travel agency because you just want to sit back and enjoy a trip rather than have to plan it all the time. And do you have any hobbies or interests? Like you, you'd mentioned reading and um, supporting the arts. Is there anything maybe you didn't mention? <laughs> you know, I'm really trying to say, you know, I, I go through spurts at different times exploring different things. So at one point, I haven't done it in probably about five years, but I went through uh, a period where I was uh, really learning and engaged in ceramics and mounting some of my ceramic work. Like, so if I was had done a vase, I would also mount it on a canvas. So then I had some new wall art for myself or it would be a gift for someone else. Um, so uh, I would say something, every now and then I have to do something with my hands. So that includes gardening, you know, planting. Um, I love flowers. Uh, I haven't done anything this year. Um, but every now and then I get this urge where I got to do something with my hands. So even though I don't draw or whatever, I'll get, I have to feel like I'm doing a collage or something, something that produces an art form, uh, a traditional art form, I should say. So yeah, that's, and it changes. I mean, there's still a bunch of stuff out there for me to explore. Um, I'm trying to even think of some stuff that I, am interested in doing down the line. I've got a list down here somewhere of some other things I would like to, to experience. But uh, generally, Wanda, it's uh, reading, movies, plays, and restaurants. I love to eat. I love good food. So it's like I hear about a new restaurant. We've got some really nice uh, African-American old restaurants that have been cropping up here in Chicago. Uh, and, um, you know, over the last several months, you haven't been able to partake in them, but uh, they've had carry out and that kind of thing. But, you know, as we, as, as we get through this pandemic, I would really like to get back to exploring restaurants again. That's something that I don't think has been talked about very much. While it's nice that the businesses are able to stay open, because uh -huh. so many have had to close. Um, takeout food is not <laughs> always nice when you no. get home. Like everything doesn't travel well or, you know, oh. it's just better served. Oh. <laughs> Nothing like that dine-in experience. Yeah. And uh, we we have done a number, I've crafted a number of dine-arounds where for the year we're going to, here are the five restaurants that we're gonna go to. Here are their cuisines, here's who owns it, here's a little bit of history about it. And this year we were slated to, I was slated to create uh, a dining around, centered around uh, black restaurants. And that didn't happen because of this pandemic. Robin, how do you like to celebrate? Mm. I, I really like being with uh, friends and my uh, and, and I have some wonderful uh, cousins. 
So, you know, we're always looking for anything to celebrate. Oh, it's so-and-so's birthday. Oh, um, Mary got a certificate for X, Y, and Z. Let's go celebrate. So it usually entails a meal and a, pla and a place that has good drinks. Um, also, it, it, you know, it, it can entail treating myself to a trip. Any, I'll come up with any excuse to, to travel somewhere. And it doesn't have to be abroad. I mean, there are some wonderful uh, wineries out in the Midwest. There are all, you know, there's some wonderful uh, shopping uh, venues in the Midwest. Um, but just being able to even get in the car and go somewhere to have a nice meal to celebrate someone's birthday or some achievement someone has attained, it would be, uh, uh, I think, the most common way I do it is dining, girl, eating, drinking, food, that kind of thing. I wanted to ask you, too, um, I know that your children are grown and gone at this point. Actually, why I have no children, and I've never been married. Never been married with no children. Now, hold on now. Stop the press. Hit rewind. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people assume that of older women. They just assume. No, yeah. I, I, I have my, in my notes. <laughs> this is where my type A personality is coming. I have, um, <laughs> you know, your your job, and then right underneath that, raise their kids, rat race, newfound freedom. So I thought. I yeah, I was, you know, it's funny because even though those are the women that I that are part of the groups, they are typically mothers. There are a couple people that are not parents uh, and not married, but most of the women in the group are married and have children and grandchildren. So, but I don't believe it or not. Well, my goodness! So, talk to us about that. That was a choice you made to not. <laughs> Actually, I, it really was. Um, you know, I can remember in my 20s going through this period uh, because, uh, you know, my friends were getting married uh, or a lot of my coworkers were married with families. And I really uh, went through a phase where it was like, well, I want to be married and have children. And it's like anything else, Wanda, if it's something you really want to do, you're going to do it. And then over time, as I got to really learn about myself and accept myself for who I am, I just realized that was something I just did not want to do. And when that got right down to it, and, I, and that came through my spiritual studies and meditation where you are, you know, over time, you're going to be forced to really take a look at yourself if you are being serious about your own spiritual growth. And I just got honest with myself. And I said, that's the reason this isn't happening, Robin, is this is not what you want to really do. And so I played a role uh, in helping people raise their children. My best friend, uh, she'll tell you every Mother's Day, she calls me to thank me for the role she feels I played in helping her raise her children. So I've always had kids in my life and around kids, but I just never, when I just got honest with myself, Wanda, that was not what I really wanted to do. I wanted to be free enough to do what I wanted to do. And, and, and that's not 
you know, sometimes when we hear people say that, we think it's selfish and hedonistic. But a lot of times what I wanted to do, if I could help my best friend with her kids, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I had my own family and kids. So I've always been a person that just wanted to be able to wake up in the morning and decide, just do what I wanted to do. And uh, but the majority of my life has been dedicated to helping other people uh, without sounding uh, paternalistic there, but just playing a role in, you know, in the social services. I've just always been that kind of person. I just did not want anything that, um, you know, provided hindrances to what I might have wanted to do in any given moment. Okay, so what about the man part? (laughs) Um, Right now there is no man, but there have been men and there will be men. Um, okay. No, there will, there will be men. I mean, there. You know, there's all. I was thinking about. That's another thing about getting older. Shoot, I hook more now than I ever have. I can draw all kinds of things. It's just a matter of if that's something I want to do in that given moment. So yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I love the companionship of a man. I just don't want to be married. It's just that simple. <laughs> That's, that's just the bottom line. I mean, and I can say that now at sixty, at age sixty-one, with the clearest of confidence. Whereas before, it was like I would say, "Well, you know, um, right now, you know, I'm open." I would use those terms. I'm open, you know. I'm, I just haven't met him yet. No, it's, I just don't want to be married. It's just as simple. So, what is it like? Because, like a lot of the women who are travelers are trying to figure that part out. It's like, can I travel and have the man? Um, you know, and it's interesting that I have been in situations where, um, you know, there was a, a guy that we were kind of checking each other out and he had a real problem with travel. I mean, he didn't really have a desire. I mean, he would want to go to maybe a jazz concert or a jazz festival in another city, but in terms of Traveling, my thing was, you know, even if a person doesn't want to do that, if you, as long as you're not hindering me from doing it, it we, we could probably make this thing work. But that was a control issue. I have a good friend who was dating a guy, and he just point blank told her, uh, you know, I can't, I can't do you because you, you, you travel too much. And her travel was her job. It was related to her job. It wasn't really, um, you know, just travel for, uh, you know, recreation, that kind of thing. He just had a problem with it. He was just going to be gone to. So that's an issue for some men. Um, I'm finding when I talk to younger women, they are coming into contact with uh, men. Uh, Typically, their age, they want to explore the world like they do. Uh, and even the digital nomads. And, you know, there are people I know that have gone from couples, rather, that have stayed in one country for, let's say, six months, and then they're on to something else. Uh, so I'm finding, as I talk to younger women, that's less of an issue for them. Uh, it may be a generational thing. 
I don't know, but it's it's difficult uh, on relationships for women in my age group. I have found that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, uh-huh. well, we know how they are now for the most part. Uh, relations between, I'll just say, in uh-huh. the diaspora, <laughs> you know, patriarchy being what it is, um, and typical gender roles and all that kind of stuff. So. And like it has to have been even worse back in the day. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I, and that's not to say you don't have anybody in our age group, but tr- basically, Wanda, you know, that you don't see that much um, in men in my age group. Um, and even if they like to travel, they may, you know, one time a year, a trip a year may be enough, but the kind of travel that, you know, I do or have done, you know, that you don't see that a lot. Uh, But I bet if I were coming up now, I would probably be more apt to meet someone uh, who would want to do as much traveling as as I do. Um, And a lot of that has to do with circumstances. You know, if you have a period of time where it's hard to get jobs, people will use opportunities to travel or um, live abroad to, you know, to compensate for, um, you know, maybe the job market. So, um, yeah, I just think a large part of it has to do with uh, generational stuff, you know. Grass is always greener. I don't know that it's easier these days. I'm going to go ahead and... Let you know that dream you had might not be the reality. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I can. I. I. I'll, I'll, I can accept that. I mean, it's just because you know it's a certain mindset. It's a certain personality. It's a certain consciousness that likes to travel. Like we're talking yeah. about travel. Where you might be. I, I was talking to a sister May. She's in her 20s and she's she had just left. She was in Vietnam for like six months. Now she's in Colombia. And I forget where she's going next, but you know, you can everybody doesn't want to live like that, you know. Uh, so finding that mate, and then you gotta be flexible um, on the kinds of relationships. I mean, you know, who knows? You gotta think about crafting something if you can. Uh, that works for your lifestyle, uh, and it may just mean I don't know, child. It just—it's just hard. It's just hard. It just may not be as traditional as what we've known relationships. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> but you know, thinking about it, you know. Yeah, but I love that you're like not. It seems like you're not pressed about it. You just sound very comfortable. You just sound very like content. And you just like, honey, what's gonna happen is gonna happen. These are the things. <laughs> and, and what ain't ain't. All right. You know, I'm not gonna sweat and, the technique. And like. be happy where with whatever's happening. You know. So if you don't have a house, but you have a nice apartment, just be content with that. Now, if you if you have a strong desire for something. You know, if it's a true desire, Wanda, I just kind of think those things come to fruition. Maybe not when you think they should or would, 
but if it's a true desire, because a lot of these things we desire are not really, they're, you know, precipitated by something else. Uh, what other people say you should have or what you see on some television program or whatever, or what you deem as success, as opposed to really sitting down and figuring out, okay, what really does make me happy? With all the noise and you know chatter about what you should be doing, with all of that aside, get still, be still, and figure out what really makes you happy and be brave enough, and it's not always easy, to go against the grain, but to be uh, brave enough to say, you know, this may may not make a lot of sense to you, but this is how I want to live my life. And I always like to have guests share how they like to be supported. So uh, someone listening, how can they support your work? Well, you know, I would love for people to tune in to the podcast, This I Do For Me, Women Over 50, Black and Fabulous, and check out some of the women who have been interviewed and some of the wisdom and stuff that they're sharing. So always, you know, the podcast, tuning into the podcast would be one of those ways. And then, you know, visiting our website, uh, thisidoforme.com, and supporting us through social media, uh, hitting a like or a comment is, is, is a supportive action. And just spreading the word about what we're doing as women over 50, Black and fabulous. Well, we want to thank you so much for sharing yourself and your story and all these wonderful, beautiful gems with us. Thank you so much, Robin. Oh, you you know, I love this podcast. Your podcast is phenomenal. And so and I think it's your style. It's the type of questions you ask. And as you mentioned to me before, it's not really about where we're going. It's more about your podcast is more about where we've been. And I think that's a very unique approach to podcasting. Thank you. Thank you. I love yours. Everybody, please go listen to hers. We actually have like similar styles. I think that's why I like yours so much. (laughs) I I like talking, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I like, I love talking and, and, and just putting it out there so people know what phenomenal things Black women are doing, specifically older Black women. Yes, because so, your guests are, are really brilliant. It's so nice to hear. Like, it's like a sigh of relief, like, oh, like, it's supposed to be this messy. Okay, cool. <laughs> and, exactly. And that, you know, life is just beginning. These Some of these women are just getting revved up. So, you know, it doesn't end when you turn 50, 60. It just, just, just like you start becoming more excited about living. So uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I zeroed in on that population just to dispel those myths about aging. Absolutely brilliant. So I will link your podcast and your other resources in the show notes. Um, and you take very, very good care of yourself. And you do the same, Wanda. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing, girl. I will. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye right now. Ba-dum. Ba-dum. Ba-dum.